Well, welcome to the first episode of the M121 podcast of 2022. It's been a while since we've done one of these, so I'm excited to get back into the groove. And I've invited my friend David Wise on for the first show of the year to answer this question. What is a primitive Baptist? And so some of you may remember David. Uh, He was on one of the episodes last year on the past tense salvation, and you can go check that out. But David, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate the invitation, Brother Josh. Good to be with you. Well, thanks. So I talked to David already about this year on the podcast. We want to try to keep it to about 30 minutes, so he's got a tall task in front of him. So I'll just pass it off now, David. Uh, We're both Primitive Baptists. Uh, We both serve Primitive Baptist churches. This is a Primitive Baptist media uh, ministry. And so we get that question from time to time. What is a Primitive Baptist? So I'm going to turn it over to you now. How how would you answer that? Well, as with most things, you have a 30-second answer, uh, a five-minute answer, and then a couple hours answer. But my short answer is typically that as the primitive Baptist, we believe in salvation by grace alone, and we attempt to uphold to the best of our ability the tenets of the original church that we see in the New Testament scriptures. We have simple doctrine, simple practice, simple worship, and we try to stay as close to the representation of the original church that we see in the scriptures. So most people get a little concerned when they hear the word primitive and they don't know what a primitive Baptist is. Right. And there's a lot of misconceptions associated with that, but I want to just ease all those misconceptions because primitive simply means original. Primitive means original. So therefore we just simply try to uphold what we see in the new Testament scriptures of the original church and the people that we trust are upholding that the tenets of the original church have come to be known in America as the primitive Baptist, but the church that is held to salvation by grace alone and the ordinances of the church of full immersion baptism and the Lord's supper and simplistic worship, family integrated worship, those hallmarks of the of the original church, the people that have held to that have been known by a lot of different names over the years in different settings. If you study church history, you'll find the Waldenses and the Novations and the Donatists and the Anabaptists and a lot of the, a lot of different names over the years that the people that have held to these core tenets of the New Testament original church. They've been named or given different names um, in different countries and in different settings. And many people actually might be very surprised to learn that up until maybe about 1830 in America, there was not all these different types of Baptists. There was a, a primitive Baptist and a Southern Baptist and a missionary Baptist and independent fundamentalist Baptist. They were just simply Baptists, and uh, especially if there's anyone listening uh, to this uh, podcast that may go to a First Baptist church, that's typically associated most likely with the Southern Baptist 
convention. If you are a member of a, of a First Baptist church that happened to have been constituted prior to about 1830, if you actually look at the articles of faith of that church, you'll probably realize that they closely resemble the articles of faith of a primitive Baptist church. Right. So there was just simply in America, uh, there was just simply Baptist. But then uh, in the 1830s, there was uh, some people that wanted to add some things that I don't believe that we see in the New Testament scriptures. And there was a group of people that wanted to hold to the old original tenets that we see in the scriptures. And so in America, we've come to be known as the primitive Baptist, but the people that have held to, again, the tenets of the original New Testament church have been known by a lot of different names over the years. So uh, here in America, in especially the last two and a half centuries in America, the people who hold to those tenets of the original church that we see in the New Testament have come to be known as primitive Baptist. So when we think about primitive Baptist, we just want to think about original Baptist, the original church. And obviously the Baptist uh, notation speaks of baptism, baptism by full immersion, not baptism uh, by sprinkling. And sprinkling is, is not baptism. It just simply doesn't meet the de definition of baptizo, a full immersion or submersion. So obviously the original Baptist church holds to um, full immersion, but I think we have a really good picture in Acts 2.42 of some of the tenets of the original Baptist church. So in Acts 2, we have the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. You have the 120 disciples of the original church, and then you have 3,000 people added to this church. So now you have the original church of a minimum of 3,120. So you have the original church, and what was the original church doing? And again, just want to say again, as a primitive Baptist, we simply are trying to uphold what we see the original church doing. So what was this original church doing? So we find in Acts chapter 2, and in verse 42, this was the activities, the core four activities and tenets of the original Baptist church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So first of all, they have a commitment, a commitment to continue steadfastly. In these things, not just a, a fleeting thought, not just a momentary devotion, a steadfast commitment, first of all, to the apostles' doctrine. And the apostles' doctrine was Jesus' doctrine. Uh, he said right before he ascended back up to heaven that you teach all nations, go and teach all nations, and you teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. So, the apostles' doctrine was simply Jesus' doctrine. And I think one of the simplest things when we talk about, especially eternal salvation, that 
identifies or maybe separates uh, primitive Baptist from a lot of other people in the spectrum of Christianity is just simply that we believe in unconditional election, that before the foundation of the world, God chose the people by nothing more than his free and sovereign grace, and he chose them and he predestinated them to be in heaven with him. So Jesus came into this world not with the hopes of saving people, not with the hopes that someone might choose to believe, not with the hopes that someone might choose or be interested enough to believe in him to go to heaven. But in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, Jesus was coming into this world for a purpose. The angel tells Joseph that Mary would bring forth a son. Again, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So when Jesus showed up in this world, he already had a people. He, he's not waiting on someone to make a decision to become his child or to become part of his family or to become his people. When he showed up in this world, he had a people and he showed up with the purpose to save his people. He didn't show up to offer salvation to the world. Jesus showed up to save his people from their sins. And if you ever talk to a primitive Baptist, we're going to go straight from Matthew one twenty one to John chapter 19 and verse 30, that Jesus came in the world to save his people from their sins. And then as he's giving up the ghost, he declared in John chapter 19 and verse 30, it is finished. So we believe in salvation by grace alone that Christ came in the world to save his people. He already had a people chosen before the foundation of the world by unconditional election. And we believe that he finished the work of salvation on the cross, not that he offered it. And he was a successful savior. Yes, a successful savior. So we consider the apostles doctrine. Um, obviously, the apostles doctrine is, is Jesus's doctrine. But I love in Acts chapter 15, when you're having one of the early challenges to the doctrine of grace alone, that there's some people that show up that say you have to be circumcised, that say you have to obey the law, you have to obey the Mosaic law, and you have to perform essentially works. Uh, in that day, with this uh, converted Jewish audience, the works that they were concerned about were Jewish works. Circumcision, obeying the law, I really don't think there's too many people nowadays that are saying that you have to be circumcised to go to heaven or you have to obey the mosaic law to go to heaven but there are people who say you have to perform a work to go to heaven so what's the apostles doctrine so they bring this uh this early dispute to the attention of the apostles there's some people that are saying you have to do something to go to heaven for all practical purposes you have to do something to earn eternal salvation which is just simply salvation by works. And the apostles reject that. And they say, Acts chapter 15, verse 10, they come together to consider this, and they summarize their statement in Acts chapter 15 and verse 10. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke up on the neck of the disciples 
which neither our fathers nor we are able to bear. And then in verse 11 of Acts chapter 15, you essentially have, talking about the apostles' doctrine, for all practical purposes, you have the first article of faith of the church in our from the Baptist churches and our articles of faith that line out what we believe uh, the scriptures teach of the apostles' doctrine and the doctrine that we hope to uphold. Um, those, those articles of faith are typically written that we believe that. We believe in the Trinity. We believe in election. We believe in total depravity. We believe, so this is the uh, first article of faith, if you will, of the apostles' doctrine. And this article of faith affirms salvation by grace alone, Acts chapter 15 and in verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So if you wonder what the apostles' doctrine is, they believe in salvation by grace alone. Salvation by grace alone. Now, now there's a whole lot of other uh, subpoints you could say, of distinguishing factors of the primitive Baptist in regards to the apostles' doctrine, doctrine uh, justification by Christ alone, by grace and by blood, particularly immediate Holy Spirit regeneration, that we're not born again by the gospel. When someone believes the gospel, that's not the cause of their new, new birth. That's not the time that they're uh, converted from hell to heaven by a decision that they made. Uh, that's not God's response to their work. That is a direct working of the Holy Spirit, immediate without any means, upon the heart of the dead alien sinner. And that, that's certainly a hallmark of the teachings of Jesus. We see that all throughout, especially the Gospel of John, and that's certainly upheld by the apostles as well. So when we consider the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' doctrine is they, they preach the gospel, the same gospel that we certainly hope to preach, which is that Jesus came into the world to save his people from their sins. He finished that work. He said so on the cross, John chapter 19 and verse 30. They uphold salvation by grace alone. And again, particularly imputed righteousness by the blood of Jesus Christ, justification by blood and by grace, and immediate Holy Spirit regeneration. Not born again by the gospel, but born again by the direct working of the Holy Spirit on the heart of the sinner. Now, continuing on with the Apostles' Doctrine, sometimes we think about doctrine only has to do with theology. Well, doctrine is just simply teaching. So what did the apostles teach about church structure, church organization? We don't see any of the, the hierarchy that uh, some denominations have, that you have a state director, a regional director, a national director, or those type things. We have the autonomy of the local church. And one of the other core tenets of the original church that we see uh, not just in the Acts of the Apostles, but all throughout the New Testament, is very simplistic worship. So the doctrine is simple. The doctrine is so simple that Jesus came to save his people from their sins, and he did it. Salvation by grace alone. Yay and amen. So the doctrine is simple, and the worship is simple. Something to kind of keep in mind 
is if we're going to do what the original church did, then you have to be able to still have church without electricity. If your church can't have church without electricity, then it really can't be a authentic representation of the original church. So if your church is totally dependent upon electric guitars and PowerPoints and light shows, if your church can't operate without electricity, then it's not an accurate representation of the original church that clearly didn't have electricity, right? <clears throat> yeah, we recently, uh, I guess about three months ago, we came into church one Sunday morning and the power was down on the Columbiana Road where our church is located and it, it was off the entire time. And uh, I know as I introduced the, the, you know, welcomed everyone to the service, I said, welcome to Vestavia Primitive Baptist Church. We're usually not this primitive, but how we are today. But the people rejoiced because it got really hot and it was a short sermon that Sunday. Yeah, so we have simple worship. And what we see in the New Testament is not a segregation of families during worship. You know, it can get pretty complicated when you go to some churches and you have a family of four or five and they're all going to five different rooms and they're, they're trying to make sure they're going, are we going left or right and who's going where? Well, it's very simple. When you come in, into a primitive Baptist church, the whole family worships together. And we also see in the New Testament scriptures that there's a command to sing with our voices. There are some allusions in the Old Testament, particularly in the Psalms. David loved to sing, loved to use instruments, and, and he expressed some of that in the Psalms. But we don't see any reiteration of the use of musical instruments in the New Testament, the New Testament command is always to sing with our voices. So therefore, we sing with our voices, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So when you come to a Primitive Baptist church, then the worship is going to be simple. We're going to sing, we're going to pray, and we're going to preach from the Word of God, and all the family is going to be there together. So the, uh, the doctrine of theology, if our sinners are saved, is certainly very simple, but also the practice of the church and the worship of the church. Um, continuing on a little uh, as quickly as I can, I guess, uh, through those other uh, three uh, aspects of the four core activities of the original church, you have the apostles' doctrine, and then you have fellowship. So you have this great dynamic in the early church. And I recently went through these four things a couple months ago at Macedonia and really had a lot more clarity just myself on this of just this amazing unity that they had. It uses this language so much in Acts of the Apostles that they were always with one accord and the church was in this great unity and they loved spending time with one another. And what's really unique about that in First John chapter one, those first few verses there in that epistle is John describes fellowship with one another, but primarily our fellowship with one another is a fellowship with Christ. So that's what's so amazing and dynamic about the fellowship of the original church. Nowadays, it's not about softball games or all these other programs or trying to do all this external stuff and all these activities to, to do things together. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that. 
in the right context. But our primary activities should be spending time with like-minded believers because by fellowshipping with them, you have fellowship with Jesus Christ. So, and also your greatest fellowship is going to be with those who wholeheartedly embrace the apostles doctrine in the same way that you do. So you have this dynamic of fellowship with the church that you desire to spend time with one another and fellowship in the primitive Baptist church is very simple. It's, it's actually flows right into the third of these activities, breaking bread, breaking bread from house to house. It says later in Acts chapter two, they spent time with one another, having meals together, going from house to house. And, and then that uh, also has an aspect of, of observing the ordinances of the church, particularly the Lord's Supper, partaking of fermented wine and unleavened bread, and then the other ordinance of the church of baptism by full immersion. And then the, the fourth of those activities is prayers. You know, some of these churches in the denominational world are just so large that you have really no way of knowing who the other people are that you're, for all practical purposes, just sitting in a room with. And that's not the case in a primitive Baptist church, and certainly was not the case with the original church. I mean, they knew one another. They fellowshiped with one another. They ate dinner together, and they were so invested and knowledgeable about what was going on in each of their individual lives that they prayed one for another. And that's special. That's special to have this unity and this deep community of believers that all know one another and are not not just praying for their individual needs, not just praying for their daily bread, but they're praying for the specific needs of their brothers and sisters in Christ that they love and they know that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So you have this close-knit dynamic of the early church that they believed the same thing. They had unity and doctrine. They wanted to spend time with one another in fellowship and breaking of bread, and they prayed for one another all the time. And we, we have our shortcomings, uh, like, like everybody does, but we do our very best to uphold those tenets of what we see in the scriptures of the original Baptist church. That was a really good point you made that I guess I've never, I've never thought about when they continued in the prayers and you have to know each other. I'm reminded, I think it's in first Thessalonians where Paul says to know them, which labor among you. And, and you can't do that. You, you can't know those who, labor among you those the the ministers of the church or your brothers and sisters in the church if there's if there's too many of them that's that's a really good point david that i've never really thought about you mentioned the i want to go back and you may have more that you want to talk about you mentioned there the autonomy of the church so and, and you kind of i know you were trying to get all that in but what what does that mean as, as a primitive baptist church or they're they're an autonomous church what does that mean well, I think maybe a good idea to, to think about that is um, 
Revelation chapter two and three, where Jesus is pictured in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks and Jesus is writing directly to those churches. Um, what, what we find in the new Testament scriptures is that there is not, um, any authority higher between the local church and Jesus Christ. There is not any hierarchy. There's not any organizational structure because what we find there in Revelation 2 and 3, but you see it in many other places in the New Testament too, but particularly there, that church does not answer to a, a regional uh, body. It does not offer an uh, answer to a state board. It does not answer to a state director. It doesn't a- answer to a national board. Those churches, uh, those seven churches of Asia, they answer directly to Jesus Christ. They answer, answer directly as a candlestick to the light who lit that candlestick. And Jesus Christ has the prerogative. If we are disobedient and we don't use what we've been given to honor him, he has the right to remove that candlestick. Whereas the organizational structure of some other denominations, there may be a state or regional or maybe even a national organization that could possibly vote to close a church. Well, there is nothing in scripture that describes that hierarchy at all, but, but the idea that men would vote to close a church, Jesus Christ is the only one that has the authority to remove a candlestick. So when we say the autonomy of the church, there, there is not, um, another higher authority that sets policy, that sets um, decisions, that sends ministers. Um, A local church calls a pastor themselves. A higher authority doesn't send a pastor to them. So every church, every original Baptist church answers directly to Jesus Christ as the head of the church and the head of the body with no organizational structure or hierarchy that they have to go through uh, to reach Jesus Christ or to make their own decisions, not just a hierarchy, but there's also not any type of rule or authority that one sister church has over another sister church where it's great to have fellowship between churches that are in close proximity and that are locally close to one another. But this uh, one church in city A does not have the authority, the scriptural authority to tell the church in city B how to handle a certain thing Uh, that each of those churches is autonomous and they answer to Jesus Christ again with the autonomy to choose their own deacons with the autonomy to call their own pastor and answer directly to Jesus Christ as the head of the body. It's interesting. And and I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said, but as a primitive Baptist church, uh, you know, governs itself looking to Christ as the leader. 
It is interesting how that apostle's doctrine, that salvation by grace, those things that we hold to that you mentioned earlier, kind of draws us to those other sister churches, as you called them, or other primitive Baptist churches in the area who hold to these same things. It's so dear to us as we continue steadfastly in them. It's kind of a it's kind of a lifestyle, if you will. They continued steadfastly in this. This was their lifestyle to devote themselves to the doctrine and the fellowship that you find churches coming together. I know you and uh, your church, Macedonian Sulphur Springs, come together for a meeting on Wednesday nights in Starkville. And we can put information in the show notes about that. But uh, you, you see, even though they're autonomous churches, uh, that they come to, to work together. And I think you'd see things like in Colossians where I believe it's Colossians where, where Paul talks about writing a, you know, a letter that was read at Laodicea, or you see other churches taking up uh, money for the poor saints or whatever it is. They worked together, although they were separate. And I, I think that all comes back to that first thing you mentioned, that apostles' doctrine, what Jesus did, who Jesus is, that kind of binds us together, even though we are uh, separate churches. Amen. What else you got? Well... Uh, there's a lot to be said about Primitive Baptist, <laughs> and uh, I, I hate to sound like I'm self-promoting, but... I was going to say, well, I, what I was going to say, so you don't have to sound like you're self-promoting, has anyone ever written a book about Primitive Baptist? And and maybe specifically, what are Primitive Baptists? Well, actually, I did. <laughs> and the reason for that, I, honestly, Josh, the reason for that is because there's a lot of phenomenal primitive Baptist books out there. And and there's a lot of resources for that. I would encourage everyone to go to sovgrace.net, Sovereign Grace Publications, and Brother Mike Cohen's runs that bookstore and a lot of phenomenal primitive Baptist content. But as I was interacting with a lot of different people and and you know the, the, where that book came from honestly is as a primitive Baptist, I when I tell people that I pastor a primitive Baptist church, the, the, just an, the inevitable, almost 100% response is literally what is a primitive Baptist. And, and, you know, I really just wanted good content to be able to say, I don't have 36 hours to be able to tell you everything you need to know about primitive Baptist. However, uh, if you read this, if you read this book, uh, at least these are some of the core points that I uh, wanted to emphasize uh, and have it all in one volume. Because there's there's a lot of phenomenal primitive Baptist content on doctrine and phenomenal primitive Baptist content in these different areas. But just for me personally, uh, I didn't find one that expressed doctrine, practice, dealing with rightly dividing things like time salvation, justification, the kingdom of God, and some of these other things, and a little bit of church history and things like that. I, I didn't really find anything that was all in one volume. Again, I, I was recommending, I was actually having some email correspondence with a gentleman from Canada, and he was saying, what can I do to learn about Primitive Baptist? And I recommended about five different books, because this one's really good in theology. And this one's really good about church history, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, that was my attempt to just have something in one volume uh, that is somewhat of a primitive Baptist primer and and can kind of uh, let you know a lot of the core points that we 
uh, believe the scriptures to teach. Again, not just what primitive Baptists believe, but what we believe the original church taught and practiced from what we see in the New Testament scriptures. So literally those conversations, and, and again, I bet every primitive Baptist has had that conversation a thousand times. What is a primitive Baptist? And, and I tried to compile all of that uh, into a volume to say, if you read this, I believe this will be an accurate depiction <laughs> of what primitive Baptists believe uh, to the best of my ability. Well, you, you did. You did a really good job with it. I know I've used it as a resource. Uh, it's not even just to go through, but to look back on and, and so much scripture in that book that it's it's really a great resource. We will link to that. And I know you can purchase that through MarchDesign.com as well, who we've uh, we've we've had some of those some of those guys. I know you're a contributor there on the show as well, and so we'll link to that. But David, we we so much appreciate you kicking off uh, 2022 uh, M121 podcast with us, and we hope to have you back on again soon. Thanks, Josh. And I also want to say uh, not to neglect the March Design Bookstore uh, that has a lot of great content on that too. Uh, and we, most of our books are through Lulu. So you, there's a link to from on the March design bookstore, but then you purchase it through Lulu and they do all the printing and they'll have it to you within like three or four days. So, uh, there's a lot of great content there on, uh, marchdesign.com as a whole, but the bookstore links to that book, uh, was a primitive Baptist, but a lot of other books too. And again, the more specific type things in regards to doctrine, uh, I believe the doctrines of grace, be ready to answer um, basic Bible doctrines, a lot of other great content on Simon Grace publications too. A lot of, a lot of very good things out there uh, to, to be able to, to learn more, not just about what primitive Baptists believe, but I think what we, uh, what we see the scriptures to teach. Absolutely. And we've, we've had brother Michael Goins uh, on before and plan to have him on again. And, and we've, We've given away copies of Basic Bible Doctrine and uh, what is a Primitive Baptist. So we'll just put links to all those out there, and and you know just it like you said, there there are so many good resources out there. It's it's not we do not lack for good resources. It's just uh, promoting them, finding them, and and I know I've been blessed through Brother Mike's works. I've been blessed through your work, through Ben and Josh and those guys that. At March Design, so there's a lot of great Primitive Baptist content out there today, and it's it's been my desire while I, while I'm doing this. This is kind of out of my uh, comfort zone, and I know it is for many people as we try to do these things. But it's this 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 thing that Primitive Baptists have, which is what Jesus established over two thousand years ago. This church, the the doctrine and the fellowship and the and, and and the the breaking of bread and prayers. Let's say that Acts two forty two. This thing that we have is so, uh, it's just so special that we want to share it with others. So uh, we'll link to all that. If any of you are interested, have more questions, you can you can contact us through he shall save dot com. I know you can get with uh, Brother David through the website at Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church. So we'll put all that out there, and we would love nothing more uh, than to hear your questions and. And, and and try to answer them for you. So God bless you, Brother David. I uh, appreciate you coming on, and we look forward to talking to you again. God bless you too, Brother Josh.